Welcome back to the third part of our podcast uh, with Robin Walzer. Uh, Sarah, I know that you wanted to ask Robin something about trauma. Yes, I know you've written on this topic, Robin, about trauma and ACT. Um, Of course, trauma comes in so many different varieties from the sudden and unexpected event to medical illness, relational trauma, the list goes on. So maybe this question is a little bit unfair and can't be answered in the brief time that we have. But I'm, you know, I have many clients who have had challenging childhood experiences, challenging attachment relationships with caregivers, um, other, you know, more big T traumas in their lives. And how, um, in your view, does ACT help with trauma? And how would someone um, experiencing ACT therapy um, be helped by it for trauma? Sure. So... When you think about our ability to know our past, we also, by the way, we also have the ability to construct futures, and we can often get caught in dwelling on what has happened, and we'll build stories about ourselves that can interfere with our lives now. So cl- clients who have difficult childhoods or other traumas are truly experiencing um, anxiety-provoking and painful events, but part of what can happen is they can collapse into those stories about themselves, and it's almost as if the trauma begins to define them, or that childhood experience begins to define them. And part of what what we want to do from an ACT perspective is help them live more in the present, and recognize a larger sense of self that is more than their memories. And so if you uh, look at what folks are struggling with who have trauma, they're often sort of getting caught in what happened. And uh, as as I said before, they're, they think, well, once I fix my past, I'll be able to live in my future. But the past only goes in one direction history unfolds it doesn't roll back and so we can't go back and undo these traumas we can't go back and undo these childhood experiences that are painful the only thing to do with them is to accept them as they are it seems and so the work there is mindfully being aware of memories coming into the present moment whenever you can, and then also connecting with a sense of yourself that is a context for the memories. You are more than them. And they don't have to be the arbiters of what happens in your life next. You still have choice, even though the memories feel powerful and like they're uh, ruling you in some way. We want to help them mindfully be aware of those experiences and be in the present and move forward with, with their values in line. Well, and one of the things I might add in here, which is actually, at least from a personal perspective, my favorite part of acceptance and commitment therapy is self as context or perspective taking is another way of looking at it is that We are more than our emotions, sensations, and thoughts. We're very complex beings. And if we can, from this perspective of a sense of self that is more than these things, observe them and look at how fluid experience is, 
like our thinking is very fluid, our emotions are fluid, our sensations are fluid. These things are on the move. And if we can be present to the ongoing flow of experience without getting too entangled in it, uh, and then choose where we put our feet, then we're going to be much more in, uh, invested or working on or engaging in a values-based life. And one thing that I will tell clients is that we're going to be working on living life from the feet up, not the head down. The head makes things too messy sometimes. And so we want to get our feet in line with what we care about and the meaning we want to create and just bring your mind and experience along with you. One thing I hear you, you say, uh, Robin, is you want to be present in the experience as it unfolds. That makes me think a little bit of mindfulness, which I understand is uh, a large, maybe even a primary technique or go-to of ACT. Could you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes. The um, mindfulness work is probably, or an awareness work is probably fully half of what we're doing in the psychotherapy uh, and is about standing in awareness in the present moment and observing experience. So we want to work with clients to practice mindfulness, mindfulness activities of all sorts. So we might have them be mindful of the breath, but we might have them be mindful of an activity that they're doing during the day. Ideally, we're creating awareness because that is a place where choice is possible. If we're unaware, we just, you know, sort of robotically move throughout our day or follow our mind wherever it leads us. And that can be problematic because minds are not our enemy, but they're also not our friend at times. And so what we want to do is create uh, the perspective of you are someone with a mind that you can observe mindfully, not somebody who is a mind. And so uh, the process of working with mindfulness is about being in the present moment and observing experience. And it's quite similar to many other uh, mindfulness processes and techniques. I'd say the only distinction, uh, uh, one that I bump up against, is that folks often think of mindfulness as a way to relax and the way ACT would approach that is that might be a product of mindfulness. It's not the target. The target is conscious awareness, being conscious of your life. What a great explanation and hopefully useful for our listeners. It seems like the word mindfulness is being tossed around in the general culture seemingly on a daily basis, but it's often without a context. So um, it's nice to hear it in the context of ACT. We like to sign off on our podcast with asking our guest about a wellness technique they use to thrive in their own career. But before I do that, I want to check in with Joe about last month's um, suggestion from Dr. Anna Lemke. She revealed that she does not own a smartphone and she recommends that people um, turn off their smartphones for 24 hours to reset their brains in effect. And um, I'm wondering, Joe, did you try it? And if so, how was it for you? I did go off the cell phone for a day. It wasn't much of a test though, because I don't really abuse the cell phone. I'm more of a get on the computer and check the email constantly kind of guy. Next week, I'll try to get off that for a day. What do you think that would be like for you? I don't know. Uh, yes, I look forward to hearing about how that goes for you. 
Um, well, I actually did not try it since we spoke with Dr. Lemke, but I was on vacation over the holidays in an area where there was no cell phone reception, so it was sort of imposed on me. And I found that um, after a couple of days, I read more books than I had read in about two years and uh, definitely was more present with the people I was on vacation with and found that my brain did just feel less anxious and more relaxed. So I would like actually to get rid of my cell phone entirely like Dr. Lemke, but I'm having a hard time reconciling that with the calendar function because that is how I keep all my appointments for my clients and my personal life. So that's something I need to think about more. Um, but Robin, is there something you find particularly helpful in your life that maybe our listeners can try out, a, a wellness technique? Absolutely. I think a little bit of mindful awareness each day can be very useful. And if you are going to use your cell phones, there's a couple of apps that you can uh, download that can help you with this process. And I might recommend a few. You you might also consider uh, engaging in some kind of mindfulness or awareness practice uh, for short periods of time every day, five minutes, Um, 10 minutes or longer if you uh, really want to get into the practice. There are some, the apps that I'm speaking to can help with this and they have many short exercises so that you can do them fairly quickly. For instance, Mindfulness Coach, which is a free app, uh, has uh, guided mindfulness meditations. There are um, Headspace and Budify. Uh, the Calm is another one. So there's a number of apps that people can download and set their phone up to ding at a time when they know they can take a break and to sit down and be guided through some mindfulness work. Now, if you really do want to take a break from your phone, there's some great um, ways to practice mindfulness and some of it's just simply pausing taking a breath and being aware of what you're feeling what your mind is saying and what what your sensations are there Uh, and just that pause can slow things down and make choice more available so my recommendation would be for as of a wellness practice would be to introduce some form of short mindfulness every day or a longer periods if you find it helpful to yourself. Do you have a particular time that you sit each day? Often my clients tell me they're too busy, they can't find a good time. Interesting, because if it's five or ten minutes, it sort of feels baffling to me when they don't have time. I know people are rushing through their days, and that rush is stressful. And so the point of the work is to... Uh, slow that down and ease off on the on the stress of the day and so even like setting a time in your phone and taking those five minutes can be helpful and I so I typically do it around six o'clock at night but that's just for me I've set my uh my uh that's when I get off work generally and I've set my uh, phone to ring at that time and I'll do a headspace walk through for instance and it just reorganizes me in the same way you know putting away your phone gives your mind a little break doing a mindfulness exercise can give you just a little space and that can be very important in terms of decreasing stress and we do know that mindfulness work is a great stress reducer it reduces 
blood pressure. It's uh, uh, good for your immune system. Like there's a lot of good data that supports this kind of activity. And so making time is really what folks, uh, uh, I would recommend that they do. Well, I'm going to try it. And uh, I hope some of our listeners will try it and let us know. And next podcast, we'll review our results and maybe read some of the results from our listeners. I like that idea a lot. If anyone tried out Dr. Lemke's suggestion to turn off their phone for 24 hours or find some time to set aside to do a mindfulness practice, or maybe mindfulness is already part of your wellness program, we would love to hear about it. To send us an email or access any of the resources we mentioned on this podcast, including how to find Robin Walzer and her work, you can um, go to our website at www.law.stanford.edu backslash wellness project. Thank you so much for being here, Robin. I hope the material you spoke about will pique our listeners' curiosity about ACT. I certainly have learned a lot and appreciate you being on the podcast today. Please tune in next time for another episode of The Wellness Cast.